it's great to be back at Silverwater. And uh, it's been a while, actually, but too long. But I actually can't, mind you, I do come here every Thursday because I'm one of the lecturers in C3 College and we've got a wonderful campus out here at Silverwater. And we've got our own June Dequilla who was singing, leading the singing, and Rooney's there and Brad and, and we've got some wonderful people there. So consider that for next year. Come to C3 College, it's absolutely fantastic. And uh, it's going to be great. So we've been doing this, um, we've been doing a, uh, a series called Unstuck. And uh, what happens in life is stuff happens. Anybody notice that? Everybody knows that stuff happens in life and, and we can get stuck, we can get bogged down, there can be problems, there can be disappointments. And we need God's house, uh, help to uh, get unstuck. Now, it's funny, we just had our... Uh, national conference the week before last and I'm arrived on the Gold Coast and I get a text from Pastor Hartley and he said Mark I'm just wondering if you could come and speak at Silverwater in two weeks time he said there's a subject that you are an expert in this is true I got this I got this text he said he said, there's a, there's a subject that you're an expert and you would be incredible speaking to our people I thought oh wow this is good is it faith is it power? Is it, is it being a, a man of God? And of course, no, it's facing failure. See on the screen there, facing failure. I thought, he thought I was the most qualified person to speak on this subject. And I, and I literally, I sent him a text back and said, just put a photo of me up on screen and everyone will start to feel good about themselves. <laughs> but anyway, so anyway, so here we are. We're looking at this thing. We're looking at the great subject, or not so great subject, of, of facing failure. And hey, this is the situation. The story is, is that life's full of disappointments. I say to our students all the time. I said, um, if you want to do anything in God, you've got to be able to overcome disappointments. I said, every time I look in the mirror, I get disappointed. <laughs> but anyway, so you got to overcome disappointment. Life's full of. Life's full of disappointments and difficulties and we've got to become unstuck and move on through from that place of disappointment. Um, there's this great scripture, maybe you can just turn your Bibles today or you've got it on a device, look up on your phone, your, the Bible here. And this is an incredible book, the book of Ezekiel. And Ezekiel was this great prophet and God gave him this vision and, he, and right throughout the book of Ezekiel, it's full of all these sort of crazy, weird, out there visions. But God gave him this vision. And, uh, and in Ezekiel chapter 37 and, and verse 1, it says this, the Lord, sorry, the hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set, sorry, did I say Ezekiel 37.1? Did I tell you that? Yeah, that's where it is. Sorry, yeah. And he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. So he's in this valley and it's full of all these skeletons. You know, and it's, and it's terrible and there's bones everywhere. And, uh, and then in verse 11 of that same chapter, it says, Then God said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. 
life is like that, we feel that all hope is gone. We feel we get knocked down, disappointments and difficulties come, failures come in our own life and we get knocked down and our hope is gone, we're cut off, it's over, we're done, it's finished, we can't carry on, we are kaput. We, it's, it, we, we, we feel like the All Blacks last night when they got beaten by the Springboks in the biggest upset of the last 10 years. And we're going to have an altar call for all the Kiwis. At the end, we're going to be prayed for. Um, but we're going to get, Mick's going to pray for us because he supports Parramatta and he's used to failure. So he'll be praying for us and comforting us in our time of heartache. Yeah, so, so there's this, there's this disappointment and our hope's gone. And I said, but listen, there's two sorts of people in the world. There's those who, when they're in a valley, lie down and give up. And that's what this whole nation of Israel, they were lie, they laid down in the valley and there was a valley full of bones. But listen, when you're in the valley, I want you to be that other sort of person. I don't want you to be someone who lies down. I want you to be someone who gets up and walks through the valley into the bright new day that God has for you and your family. Can we give Jesus a big hand? And what better verse can we find in Psalm 23? Psalm 23 and, and, and verse 4. This is David speaking, the great king, the great man of God, the great man of faith. He said this, this is the other sort of, we didn't, David wasn't the sort of person who lay down in a valley. Look what he says here, and you know Psalm 23, but Psalm 23, 4, even though I lay down in the valley, is that what he said? No, 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 no. He said, even though I walk through the valley of death or the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You're right and stuff. Hey, listen, cover me. God's with you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's with you. Turn to your other neighbor and say, keep walking. Don't lie down in the valley. Don't get stuck in the valley. Get up, walk through the valley. God's with you. The church is with you. The Bible says if God is for us, who can be against us? Hey, listen, good news. If God's for us, who's, who can be against us? Only the devil, all the demons in hell, and all the people in the world. But it's okay because with God, you are the majority. And you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Come on, everybody, get up. Why don't we all just get up right now? Come on. Get up right now and say, you know what? I'm going to walk through the valley. I'm going to walk into the bright future that God has for me. God says this. God says this. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, says God. Plans to prosper, not to harm you. Plans, not plan pure, singular, plan pure. Plans to give you a future and a hope. So you're not like the people in Ezekiel said, our hope's cut off. Oh, we can't do it. Take a teaspoon of cement, harden up, go to Bunnings, 
buy some timber, buy some nails, build a bridge, get over it, walk through the valley. Come on. Mate, you're a tough crowd. I'm working hard this morning. God bless you. You can be seated. Okay. We can knock off right there. I think of all the great people in the Bible and all the great people in life. Now, when I drove past here, I was coming down Victoria Road with Kerry and I looked and on the horizon, I saw a sign and it was a red and white sign and it was my favourite restaurant in the world, KFC. And I thought, I'm cancelling lunch with Mick and Rhonda. Why would I want to eat beautiful, handmade Lebanese food when I can go to the Colonel's and get a bucket of the dirty bird? And I was reading up on facing, you know, this, 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 this subject's all about facing failure. And poor old Colonel Sanders, I read up on Colonel Sanders this week. Colonel Sanders, check this. He was 65 and he retired. And he got a government check for $105 at the age of 65. He thought, I am not going to retire. I'm going to refire. And so he had a, a recipe that his mother used to make with secret herbs and spices. To this day, even the greatest scientists in the world have never been able to figure out exactly what it is. And he took it around all these restaurants at the age of 65, and he tried to sell this recipe so the restaurants could cook them and he could sell them the, 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 the chicken and the herbs and spices. At the age of 65, he was turned down 1,009 times for that recipe. 1,009 times. Now, there's a bunch of you saying, I wish he'd given up after he'd been turned down 1,009. You know what I'm talking about. But he kept going, and after 1,009 rejections, he got accepted, and a whole bunch of restaurants started cooking his food. Then he started a chain of restaurants. Then he ended up getting bought out. Um, and, but now... Colonel Sanders, in 2013, KFC had a turnover, and I can, looking around the room, I can see a few people have contributed to this turnover, $23 billion. It's the fourth biggest restaurant chain in the world. In 2017, there were 21,500 restaurants worldwide. You know why? Because here's a guy at the age of 65 who refused to lie down. He got up. He got knocked down. He, kept, he got knocked down a thousand and nine times, but he kept on getting up. That's the sort of spirit. We need a bit of that dirty bird spirit in the room. Yes, yes, yes. You know, um, Winston Churchill, you know, and we're talking about walking through the valley. Keep walking through the valley. Now, Winston Churchill said this, if you're going through hell, keep going. Is that right? Winston Churchill, if you're going through hell, I'm, you don't understand what I'm going through, and I don't. But listen, I don't know your past, but I know your future if you'll walk through the valley. And if you'll just keep going, if you're going through hell right now, don't lie down in the valley, get up. Keep going. He, I'm walking through. Anybody here going to walk through the valley? Anybody? Come on. Anybody? Come on. We need to keep walking through the valley. Now, 
David wrote Psalm 23. And when we think of King David, if I was to ask people, who's your favorite man or woman of God in the Bible? Half the crowd would say, King David. You know, and David was this great man of faith. But I'll tell you what, David knew what it was to face failure in his own personal world. But the good thing about David is he just kept going. And he's writing, just thinking about this now, to be honest, when he says, even though I walk through the valley, it's not some poetic sort of thing that he's wrong, I'm walking through it. No, 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 no. He knew what it was to fail, to make huge mistakes that not, and to sin greatly that not only cost him, but it cost those around him very, very dearly. But he kept going. Let me just tell you a few of the uh, mistakes or sins or rejections or failures that David had in his world. David was rejected by his father, persecuted by his leader, the king, who tried to murder him on numerous occasions, abused by his brothers and his first wife, forsaken by his closest friend, was responsible for a whole city of priests and their families being murdered by King Saul because he deceived the priests about what he was doing out of fear. He was an absent and neglectful and indulgent father who directly contributed to three of his son's deaths. Three of them died because of his neglectful parenting. He committed adultery with Bathsheba and then murdered her husband Uriah. He was responsible for a plague that killed 70,000 people in Israel. He knew what it was to fail. But when we look back, only preachers like me remember his failures when they're making a a sermon illustration. We remember him as the great psalmist of of, of Israel. We remember him as the giant killer, the great man of faith who made a few mistakes. But hey, listen, he kept going. And now I want to look at one of David's biggest failures this morning. If you turn with me to to 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 6, you'll see a a big failure. David faced a huge crisis in his own personal world. We need to see how he he responded to that. Is he going to lie down or is he going to get up and keep going? 1 Samuel 30 verse 6, David actually has been fleeing from Saul. He's got about 600 guys and their wives and families and they've been given. And he goes and he, he aligns himself to the Philistines who are enemies of Israel. They give him a little town called Ziklag. Then they say, listen, we want you to go and fight with us against Israel, against your people. Now, David should have made an excuse or refused, but he didn't. He went with them to fight against God's people. And then the Philistines got cold feet and said, no, 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 don't worry about it. You can go back. So he's taken all his soldiers away from the town of Ziklag where their families are. Let's look at the story here in 1 Samuel 30, verse 1. So they're returning, you see, and it says, David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites, these, these are real bad evildoers, had, had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag, burned it, and had taken captive the women and all who were in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, They carried them off as they went on their way. So David arrives back at town. His family is gone. It says here, when David and his men came to Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud 
until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives, abundance, he lived in the abundant life, <laughs> blessing, here we go. Two wives had been taken, capt- had been captured and a home of Jezreel and Abigail. David was greatly distressed. Now here's the thing, you go, so David turns up at Ziklag, he's looking there, and, and there, he's looking at Ziklag, and he says, look at Ziklag. Here's Ziklag. All my family, gone. My family is gone. My possessions, the things you love almost as much as your family, but not quite, the golf clubs, the the. The CD collection, which you're storing, waiting for them to come back. I mean, CDs, all this, all the stuff, the car, it's all, your house, it's gone. Everything's gone. Your family's gone. Your possession's gone. David goes, at least I've got some friends who will support me. He turns around. His friends are picking up rocks. They're going to stone him to death because they're blaming him. And actually, in my opinion, it was his fault. What do you do when the three things you depend on most you've failed in, your family, your friends, your finances. What do you do? What is, what is David? This is, and guys, it's in a crisis situation. When you're in the valley, this is when we find out how much God we've got in here and how resilient we all are. And, and David for years had been worshiping God. You know, you know and praying. Now, I pray I'm driving down the road, listening to music, whatever, and then I notice the tank's on empty and it's a long way to the gas station. You know, I'm just doing my own thing. What do you do? Pray immediately. You pray. You know, we all pray when there's a crisis. Well, here's the thing. Don't pray when there's a crisis. Pray before the crisis. And David's been reading and studying the Word of God, worshiping God, and he's been doing all this stuff, and he's built up this reservoir of strength He's deposited into his spiritual bank account, worship, praise, the Word of God, prayer, awesome, and friends around, all this sort of stuff. He's been building this reservoir. And then it says this, now when there's no friends, there's no family, there's no money, what's he got? He's got God. And he lets down the bucket into the well of his soul. And what? And you know what? You and I, we're broke or something or a bill comes and we go to the flexi teller and we dial in our pin. What's the last thing you want to see come up on the screen? Insufficient funds. Is that right? The last thing you want. And there's no money to cover the debt. But listen, it's the same spiritually. How many reserves? How much cash? How much spiritual wealth and weight have you got in your spirit? So in a time of crisis, you can dial it up, put your number in, and there's enough reserves of faith to be able to get back up and walk through the valley. And David, it says, just bring that scripture up again. Just disappeared off the screen. David was great. It says, the men were talking to him, but David found strength in the Lord is God. Or another translation says, David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And he began to pray. He began to say, and can I just say this, in a crisis, there's two sorts of people. There's people who lie down in the valley, people who walk through it. There's people who run from God 
because things aren't going their way. But my friends, I want to encourage you this morning. Get up and don't run from God. Run to God. Come on. Run to God. Run to God. He only wants to do you good. And it says, David strengthened himself in the Lord as God. And then uh, it, it says here, look, just look at um, verse 9. Just look at verse 9 of verse chapter 30. David inquired of the Lord. So he's seeking God. Shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Verse 10, pursue them, God said. You will certainly, everybody say certainly, you will certainly overtake them and succeed. Listen, guys, I want you to know that it is a certainty that you will succeed in life and in the pursuit of what you're believing God for and the stuff you're believing God to get back. It's certain that you will succeed if only you'll keep your eyes on God. If only you will become unstuck. If only you will face failure in the eye and overcome it. And believe God for a miracle in your personal world. Now, Kerry and I, we've, we've, we've had a lot of challenges in our life. And, and Pastor Natalie was sharing just recently in her own world. There's, there was heartache there. But you know what? She's, here she is standing here. Worshipping God and believing God. She's still walking. It's awesome. Can we give Pastor Natalie and Hartley a, a one, you know, and that's a great example. You know, we don't, you know, we can follow people on what they say, but let's follow them, follow the, the example that they set in their world. Now, Kerry and I, when we came when we came to Australia, we came over in 1982. How many people weren't born in 1982? Anybody? Come on, Mick, get your hand down. Yeah, big fibber. Um, we came to Australia in 1982, and, and Kerry was pregnant with our first child, and I had a position as an unpaid position as a youth leader uh, in, on the Gold Coast of Australia and um, in a church there. And I couldn't get a job. And we were also straight, had no money. Kerry was pregnant, no job. And so we had to go and live with a family. Uh, and and then I, I had about sort of seven or eight jobs, like one after the other, and only last a week. It was just terrible, and and we had to really fight our way through. It was very very difficult. And I, I started one job at a Chinese noodle factory that will remain nameless. You probably it's probably some of it's probably sitting in your cupboard at home, but on the Gold Coast, and I had to make these cheesels. And I, my first day, and he said, look, normally we don't employ New Zealanders, but I'll give you a go. <laughs> he said, so I thought, oh, well, here we go. I'm representing the whole country here, and I've got to look after my wife. So I'm there, and it was like 120 degrees. It was like, you know, it was super hot. And I had to, there's these, the, there was this big oil drum, and it was turning like this. And I had to get three packets of cheese powder and I'd tear it open and I'd climb up these steps and, and, and then pour it into the oil and, and then get three of them. And, I, and by the end of it, it was a terrible day. It was one of the worst days of my life. And I finished this, but I needed to work. I had a wife and a child. Now, Kerry had, had our first child and we were living with a family. We didn't have any money. And I, I walked out at the end of the day covered in yellow cheese powder, got into the car and I cried all the way home. And the tear lines were going through the cheese powder on my face. And Arunie's laughing. Arunie, 
I'm pouring out my heart here. Why are you being so unkind to me? And, and I just, I got home and I sort of composed myself and Kerry came out with our baby in her arms. Oh, how did your day go? And I just burst into tears. I was done. It was, <laughs> it was over. And I said, I can't work anymore. I said, oh, well, don't worry, you know, we'll, we'll work something out. And, you know, you just, you just got to, but that was, a, that was just something that I had to do to get through just, just life. Life throws some curveballs at you. I remember we came back from the U.S., in 1996, we had nothing. We'd lost all our money. I went over there for a position at a church. It didn't work out. I came back. We were broke. I was 40, broke. And I had been a pastor and been preaching and stuff, and I couldn't get a job. I had to dig ditches under a house. They called it the Pit of Despair, like in The Princess Bride. Anybody seen that movie, The Pit of Despair, for $10 an hour, 10 hours a day to make 100 bucks so I could. I mean, it's just, you know, all this sort of stuff. Recently, luxury, I think that's bad. Recently, we had bought an apartment on the beach in Narrabeen, right on the beach, absolute beach, beautiful views. And then, then the, um, the guy said, look, sorry, the building is kaput. They, for a year and a half, they had to fix the building. They had to rip the front off the whole building at personal cost to everybody who lived there. So Kerry and I basically went broke. This is like five years ago. We had to move out of our apartment and were homeless for a year. And and our friends, we went and lived with friends of ours for a year with our daughter, Carrie and I and our daughter. We had nowhere to live. And then my younger daughter had a catastrophic head injury and had um, issues um, with con- concussion. Um, my son got divorced. My older daughter had business problems in the States, and she was in New York and collapsed on the ground. And she actually lost all the hearing in one ear, which she has never, re- you know, and all this sort of, this family, all this, there's all this, and then the worst, but that's, you think that's bad, the worst thing happened, I went to church, parked my car, went into the service on a Saturday night, there was a big wind came through, a tree fell on my Mercedes convertible, <laughs> trashed my car. I mean, you know, this is, and all this, all this stuff just keeps happening. And, and you know what, but you know what, guys, here's the thing. I would hope that there's some God in here and that I can just I can just get up and with Carrie and my family, we're not giving up. I'm not going to lie down in the valley. I'm not going to be one of the, the drivers. I'm going to walk through the valley. I'm going through. I'm going through. And so we just, you know, you just turn it around. We had, to, we had, we had a house, an investment property on the Northern Beach. We had to sell that. Two apartments, we had to sell them. You know, but but you know what? God's turned it around. It's all good. It's okay. It's okay because God's there. And 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 we we we've walked through it and we've got another couple. We own three apartments now on the northern beach. It's not too bad, is it? You know, you bounce back. You just got to keep bouncing back. You just got to you just got and believe in God for great things. Let's keep stepping out, and let's keep moving forward into the great purpose that God has for him. Winston Churchill once said this. He said that success consists of going from failure to failure without a loss of enthusiasm. And David, the Bible tells us, he had all these failures. This is just one of the failures that David went through. David went out, ran down the Amalekites, obliterated them from the face of the earth. 
And, and the Bible says this in verse 18 of 1 Samuel 30. Because he's able to get up, you see, David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else they had taken back. David brought everything back. Everything that he had lost, he recovered. With interest, look at the next verse. He took all the flocks and herds and his men drove them ahead of the others' livestock saying, this is David's plunder because the Amalekites have been ripping off everybody else and all these goodies were there. And David got them. Why? And then, then he gets back to his campsite, he gets back to Ziklag. Three days later, a man comes in with a crown and gives it to him and says, Saul's dead, you're the new king of Israel. Imagine if you'd turned up his toes, if you'd given up, at Ziklag, his friends would have stoned him to death. No, None of us would have ever heard the name of David. But because David was made of different stuff, he had a different spirit, the spirit of God. He was able to get up, dust himself off, become unstuck, face his failures, and move on into the great plan that God had for he, his life and his family's life. I want to just share a brief story, a, a brief speech in closing by Theodore Roosevelt, one of the great presidents of the United States. He's in Rush, Mount Rushmore. He's the guy on the far right-hand side, I think. That's Teddy Roosevelt. And this is what he said. It's not the critic who counts. Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred with dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who makes mistakes, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error or shortcomings, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotion, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at least knows in the end the triumphs of high achievement, or at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold, timid, and pathetic, I put that one in, souls, who know neither victory nor defeat. My friends, it's time to be the men and women that God has called us to be. When problems, when heartaches, when disappointments, when failures come, let's stand up. Let's not lie down in the valley. Let's get unstuck and walk through the valley into the plan and purpose of God for our lives so that we can say with the Psalmist David, in Psalm 23, verse 6, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever.